Hello, and welcome to episode 17 of the CyberSense Power Up podcast. I am Dr. Dustin Weissman. I practice psychology at Neurosense Psychology in Calabasas, California, where I specialize in problematic internet use and internet addictions, as well as facilitate individual and group therapy and administer neuropsychological assessments. And today I'm joined with a very special guest. Her name is Sarah Pearl. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist, and she works with at-risk youth in her private practice. She has offices both in Westlake Village and Camarillo, California. She also facilitates teen and adult therapy groups at Roundtable Counseling, which is an intensive outpatient setting in Camarillo. Sarah has experience working in a variety of settings, which includes intensive outpatient care, in-home services for families, behavioral services for adults, and school-based counseling for at-risk youth. She is in the process of developing a social-emotional program for a charter school in Westlake Village. She also serves as a board member on the Mental Health Professionals of Conejo Valley, overseeing membership. You can find her on Psychology Today. Just search Sarah Pearl, that's S-A-R-A-H, Pearl, P-E-A-R-L, and then type in Psychology Today, and it should show up right away. I'll also link the bio to it in the description of this episode. You can also email her at spearlmft at gmail.com. Sarah, welcome, and thank you for joining me today on the podcast. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So before we started, we were just talking, and one of the things that came up that was really interesting was an article that Sarah found that went over... 13 Reasons Why, the TV show on Netflix, and it talked about the correlation between increase in suicide rates after the show aired, I think within like a month or so, is that what it was? Yeah, I thought it was interesting because we've been talking about, um, you know, this topic, I think, you know, and doing this on the podcast for some time, and it just happened within the last week, this article came out, and I found it interesting because I know at the time when the show was released, there were a lot of mental health professionals who were concerned with whether or not this show was, as it was aimed to, you know, promote awareness around suicidality and bullying, among other things, that whether or not it was going to also promote, you know, this idea of increasing um, self-harm and suicide amongst youth. So the study came out and said that there was a 28.9% rise uh, within a month after the show was released. While there's probably a variety of factors, I think it kind of confirms what people were worried about. Wow, that's a really big increase. And that's almost 30% increase. And that's just within one month or so? Yeah, and so I think this was... Because I remember when the show had come out, I was working in the school district and there was enough concern that they even had a, a flyer going around that was basically trying to clarify what the purpose of the show was and what the messages were intended because there was the fear, you know, with like Hollywood and kind of the romanticizing of, you know, suicide and whether or not that was going to encourage people to, you know, self-harm or commit suicide. Yeah, I definitely understand what you're talking about. I believe there was a noticeable observation that people were self-harming more immediately after and the filmmakers talked about this later on how it's actually their intention to show the ugly side of it to deter people their goal was to actually have people not harm themselves and that's why i believe in the film or not the film but the 
series, they wanted to include how painful it was on the emotional level and the physical act of doing it. Mm-hmm. But I think by them showing the physical act, they may have not gotten the consequence they were hoping for. Well, and it's interesting because I wonder if it did. I think it did. A, a, it raised awareness and... I think it showed the impact both on the character side who was struggling with mental health issues and, you know, suicidality. And it also, I think, showed the impact for those who were involved in that in some form, uh, where I think that it could have been beneficial. And what I had talked about at the time when it had come out, kind of in a joking way, is that they should create a season two where they have her go in alternate, like maybe an alternate universe where they have her go through the same struggle she did and she used healthy coping skills in a way that she actually was able to overcome what she was going through because I think that was the piece was there was a lot in the show that was uh, not just specifically with her but with other characters who are really struggling with things and kind of using maladaptive ways of coping with it and not necessarily how are ways that you can kind of come out of it and deal with it in a healthy manner. That'd be so great to have a season three of 13 Reasons Why Not. I agree. That would be absolutely great. And each episode can be maybe like a group therapy session where Mm -hmm. she's reading a journal article and each one of those articles focuses on an episode of how somebody helped her instead of didn't helping her when she tried reaching out. Mm -hmm. I think that'd be a really interesting season to watch and they can parallel so do like a little split screen so they show what happened in season one and then show the alternate parallel universe that you're talking about in season three that shows how, oh, instead of this person raping her, they somebody intervenes. Mm-hmm. And maybe showing, encouraging people to intervene. Because I think that's what you're getting at, is yeah. that the show is really hoping, and I think they did get this, to have people recognize signs and symptoms of others who are struggling right. with depression and other things going on in their lives, where if you see this, stand up and act. And help them out and reach out and be a friend. Don't just cower behind, you know, whatever means we have, which we see a lot of social media and just our own personal devices and our own lives and staying clear of everything that's not us. Right. Well, and I think the show touched on a lot of different topics that, you know, need more awareness and need to be discussed. And, you know, for instance, like, and just very subtle things like uh, that they drew out, like how school officials maybe manage um, bullying or what, you know, people report or what people go through. And so I, I appreciated that because I do think it's a very fine line when you're trying to promote awareness and how do you basically start a topic of discussion without maybe desensitizing it or normalizing it for people or promoting maybe on you know misguided information Um, and I don't know that there's I don't know that I necessarily know the solution to that I think that that just kind of comes in that territory when you're trying to discuss certain topics you're always going to have the people that will find help and support and benefit from that and you'll find that other people will use that in a way that will basically guide them in the wrong direction. Yeah, so you also mentioned earlier the Reddit suicide watch. Can you tell us a little more about that? So on Reddit, they have, I think this is a good example of the support and community that the internet can provide in a positive way. 
All right, before we get into the subreddit, can you take a second just to tell the listeners what is Reddit? <laughs> so Reddit is kind of like the the way they term it, the uh, front page of the internet news. It's where people will, it's an online forum basically that people use to post various things. There's, there's different categories uh, also used for discussion and so forth. Okay, good. So now we have an understanding of what Reddit is. You're mentioning a subreddit and the Suicide Watch part of that. Can you tell us about those? Yeah, so Suicide Watch is a subreddit, which is just a category off of Reddit. And it is basically where people can go if they're feeling suicidal and they can post and they can get support from those who are basically always online uh, looking to provide support and help at that time. So it's really interesting because you'll see people post on there and say that they're struggling, you know, especially at like two, three in the morning at times where maybe they don't have their normal, their normal social support that they would and they, or they can also go on, you know, in an anonymous manner because maybe they don't feel comfortable reaching out to those in their life and get support that they might not already have in their yeah. lives. It sounds like something similar that Facebook does too, where if you post something that's suicidal, they'll flag it and then they'll contact you seeing if you need help. Right, right. And yeah, so it's it's usually, it's like, it's a community really that kind of comes together and helps support whatever that person is going through. Okay, so it's its own little subcategory mm-hmm. of Reddit where people can go to if they're feeling suicidal. Yeah. Okay, good. All right, so we're also talking about these filters within games. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned earlier to me, before we started recording, that you saw one on Overwatch. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us about that one? Yeah, so I think it's it's kind of a funny way that I think various gaming companies are trying to start combating the bullying that's going on through um, you know, the internet. And so on Overwatch specifically, Blizzard, which is the company that um, makes it, has a feature where if somebody is, you know, trash talking while they're playing games, it instead of just censoring it, it actually changes what the person is saying. So if they're saying you suck, it will change it to I'm having a really hard day. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to go to bed. <laughs> and it basically really it discourages or it's aimed to discourage people from, you know, bullying or being mean to others while they're while they're gaming. Can we get those filters in real life with our be nice. friends and family? I know, I know. <laughs> but that's, so that's only with text, though, right? When mm-hmm. you're typing. Yeah. With Overwatch, can they talk using a headset? You know, you know I'm, I'm sure they can, yeah. I mean, I think that there are certain games where they have invoice channels that people can talk in. Um, and then there's other games where it is strictly only, you're only able to write. And so it just depends, I think, on the game and uh, its abilities. So it, but yeah, this is, is specific for text. Yeah, because I know a lot of games where people use headsets, mm-hmm. all they're doing is yelling and profanities and just joking and they're having a blast, yeah. but those that are listening have no idea what's going on. Right. You know, especially teenagers and young adolescents, they'll trash talk using every curse word they've recently learned and then some, making some up that they want to see and feel it out right. just because it's new and exciting and yeah. that's how they're trying to communicate. So having that kind of a filter live would be even more amazing. Right. I agree. <laughs> okay, so... That's the key to world peace. <laughs> that would be. <laughs> if, if we could just somehow implement some technology where everything we say is filtered. And I think that's what we're doing with what we, when we text and we send mm-hmm. messages and 
that's why you see that you know circle going around and around when somebody's typing. Mm-hmm. It's because they type something and they delete it and they type it again and they edit it and they put the right emojis. They delete those and they do different emojis and they send you a perfectly manifesto of their thought. Right. With three emojis. Well, and I think that's, it's, it also, again, it parallels what kind of what we're talking about where there's two sides to the sword on that. In one sense, there's that detachment. So people will say things that they might not say in person to somebody or if they know somebody, it provides that detachment so they, they can, they, they can, they don't have to filter. But at the same time, I do think that texting and online and all these um, platforms allow us to think before we say something as well and to maybe communicate and talk about things that we might not otherwise feel comfortable talking about in person. And so, you know, while it maybe hinders in a sense, you know, there's the topic of how it's hindering our ability to communicate. I think in certain situations, it can promote what otherwise wouldn't have been communicated. That's a great point, because also it can let people be more articulate and Mm -hmm. say what they want to say instead of saying something rash. Yeah, I mean, that happens still, especially with adolescents, they'll just rapid fire text to you. Mm -hmm. But for those that want to slow down and make that perfectly manicured script to another person it gives them a chance to not say something that they would regret exactly except it goes into then the topic of what are people trying to portray and are people trying to hard to be what they what they're not and what they want to be rather than Mm -hmm. who they are and not living an authentic life and how that impacts our ability to connect with others yeah the fake self versus the authentic Mm -hmm. self yeah so what was uh the reaction to suicidality in media in response to what you saw at your IOP you were mm-hmm. telling me about earlier. Specifically with the, the 13 with, Reasons with, Why? With the Yeah, 13 Reasons Why suicidality as a whole. Yeah. So it's interesting because you'll see um, different responses. I've seen different responses. And I know specifically when 13 Reasons Why came out, there was a lot of backlash from the clientele that I was working with that struggled with uh, self-harm, suicidality, depression, mental health issues, because they felt that it was almost, again, like desensitizing or normalizing these subjects that should be alarming and should be addressed. And, you know, feeling like, again, it's, it's almost promoting this new dialogue where people who maybe aren't feeling, especially I think you see this with kids who haven't really developed the skills to articulate how they're feeling, and they see on some form of media, you know, oh, well, someone is saying they're suicidal or they want to kill themselves, and that that gets people's attention, and that, you know, they don't really maybe have the words yet, they haven't developed that to explain how they're feeling, so they're using these extreme cases to try to communicate how they feel, which in turn is in a sense, desensitizing what others are going through and the struggles that they're having. So people are saying really elaborate things to get attention because if they say, you know, I'm struggling or I'm sad or I need help, it's not enough because it's been desensitized. But if they make these grand gestures, like I'm going to kill myself with a shotgun, that gets the attention that they need. Mm-hmm. In some cases, yeah. And then you have the reactions of those involved, whether it's parents or school officials and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could definitely see how kids and young adults would lead towards the extreme just when they need some help. Mm-hmm. So 
you mentioned also pro Anna, and we're not mm-hmm. talking about Anna Baker here. And no. Moving on, we clarified that earlier. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Anna Baker is the main character of the Netflix series Thirteen Reasons Why, mm-hmm. uh, season one at least. So, what is pro Anna? So, pro Anna is a website that promotes anorexia. It is a group of people that have shared their tips on how to, you know, on weight loss, on various techniques for basically for eating disorders. And so it's an example of how the internet provides a platform for all different communities. And you can get the community that's very supportive, like we talked about earlier with Suicide Watch, or you can get, you know, communities of people that are promoting self-harm or suicidality or eating disorders and unhealthy habits and how to achieve those. Yeah, and I think you actually shared an article with me titled The Virtual Cutting Edge, The Internet and Adolescent Self-Injury. And it's got a little excerpt from the abstract and says, Findings show that online interactions clearly provide essential social support for otherwise isolated adolescents, but they may also normalize and encourage self-injurious behavior and add potentially lethal behaviors to the repertoire of established adolescent self-injuries and those exploring key identity options. Right. So I think it's really interesting because it just depends what that person is searching for. I've ha- I have right now a couple cases that are very similar in the fact that they struggle with intrusive thoughts, which you know causes a lot of anxiety for them. And for one case, finding Um, resources on the internet that explains what intrusive thoughts are and those who are struggling with it has helped her a lot in her healing process and the normalizing of those what she's experiencing whereas my other case it's the complete opposite she's going online and she's finding these basically perpetuating what she's going through and causing rigidity in her thinking because she's finding resources on the internet that she's believing to be absolute fact and they're causing more distress in her ability to kind of battle these cognitive distortions. So you have one client who's gaining support from the internet and the online community and you have another one whose problems are being aggravated or you know just made worse mm-hmm. by their interactions with the online community. And I think this is really interesting when we look at social media presence and how people feel about one another Mm -hmm. and in terms of the content they put out how it's received so if your friend is saying something what you interpret that as so if you have a friend that's saying that they did something with their other friend does that message then convey i did something with my other friend because i don't like you and that's why i didn't invite you Mm -hmm. we have that subtle cyberbullying and you're telling me earlier about how you had a friend who posted on MySpace back in the day when we had our top eight Mm -hmm. and it showed the whole world who your top eight favorite people were. Mm -hmm. And I remember that I used to have my MySpace in my top eight. So MySpace was the, it wasn't really a predecessor to Facebook, but it came out around the same time, maybe a a smidge before when it it was the Facebook Mm -hmm. and just to to date ourselves a little bit (laughs) as the OG social media group. Uh, (laughs) But with this, it was showing everybody that was friends with you who the most important people in your life are at that certain time. So if somebody moved up ahead of you, which we would always see if somebody got a boyfriend or a girlfriend, that they would move way up and bump everybody down. That's fine. But when you see a friend jump 
in front of you, then you start to ask, well, what, what does that mean for me? So you want to tell a little bit more about your friend's experience, or I just cover your whole story for you? <laughs> I mean, you covered, you covered most <laughs> of it, but it was, we were, it was funny because we were talking about this about a month or so ago, and she was talking about how she would use live journal, which I don't know if that exists anymore, but at the time was a journal basically that you could post online and depending on who was following, they could see and you know provide additional support or even just getting it out there was cathartic enough. And she read to me a post she had from you know, 10, 11 years ago where she was in a lot of distress because of the fact that she had seen that she had moved from, I don't know, spot one or two to three on MySpace. And then our other friend, a mutual friend, had put me on her top eight, but not her. And all the, you know, interpretations she was making based off of that particular move. And it was interesting because I had no idea at the time that this was something that she had thought you know, extensively about to the point of, you know, making an, you know, live journal post. And so we're laughing about it now, but I think it really reflects how, you know, easily things can be misinterpreted because there is no ability to catch in real time to have a discussion based on what Mm -hmm. actions are, you know, being conducted. Yeah. And we're talking about also how we see it on Facebook. It's the same thing and Instagram and everything that we post with friends or without friends and how everybody is seeing it and interpreting it. Right. So we can only, we can control what we post to a degree unless somebody else is posting something with us in it, but we can't control how people receive it. Right. Exactly. So I think if you're listening, it's important to have that discussion with people Mm -hmm. because I know so much of communication now with adolescents is done through social media. They don't even text anymore. They just message each other on social media. So if they're not communicating outside of that, then they're really not getting those extra nonverbals that we need to know what somebody's saying. Which is why I think gifts are the best thing that has happened to me in my entire <laughs> life. I love gifts. Gifts are definitely fun. <laughs> they add in a little element of, you know, the where we're lacking in the body language and nonverbal cues. Yeah, and you also mentioned before we started recording that emojis are good, and I agree with that, that Mm -hmm. emojis are really good for adding to a conversation, but when we use them to replace conversation, that's when it's a little problematic. Then it's like trying to solve a puzzle game every time somebody sends you a message. Right, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, because I think even with GIFs and emojis, we're still having to interpret where, um, you know, we can easily misinterpret things. Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely can. So we're going to take a little break, and we'll come back in a moment. So, Sarah, I'm wondering if you've ever seen anything taken from social media that's been used in a positive light in any of the therapy practices that you've been doing. Yeah, actually, when I was a couple years ago, when I was running one of the groups um, in intensive outpatient, there was a group member who had struggled uh, with uh, self harm. And one of the groups, he had brought up something he'd seen, I believe, on Facebook or one of the social media platforms on um, awareness for uh, mental health. And It was basically like a challenge that had instructed people to draw lines on their wrists and each line was a specific color that would represent something. So 
for instance, red would be self-harm. If you've ever struggled with self-harm, you draw a red line in your wrist. And if you've ever struggled with anxiety, you draw an orange line. If you've ever been bullied, it's green, um, and so forth. And if it was a left wrist, it would be that you've gone through it yourself, whereas if it was your right wrist, it represented that you were supporting those who have gone through that. And so it was kind of a, it was a very powerful group because all the group members participated in this. And, you know, a lot of these group members had struggled with self-harm, specifically with cutting. So it was also not only a way to promote self-awareness, but to cope with some of these struggles and be able to portray it, that they've gone through it without having to injure themselves or, th or show that through, you know, a scar. I was going to say, you're talking about drawing lines on the wrist. That's very much like a cutting behavior. Yeah. And then if you have people who actually do cut, this could be a very positive thing for them to replace it with. Right. Instead of cutting themselves, they can go back to drawing those lines. And then using that image to remember them of the time where they're sitting in your group with their peers and see everybody who's in this support system with them. And they can reflect on, oh, what I learned from that group and how can I take that with me? And just can feel this positive cycle upwards in yeah. their you know, mental health. Yeah, exactly. Actually, I, quite a few clients that I've worked with really enjoy, they'll, they'll use drawing on themselves as a way to, you know, cope with the urges of self-harm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've heard of other ones, but um, never heard of something like that. And I love that you found it from social media or that yeah. your client found it from social media. Yeah. And it just shows that there's also these really good things that we have that we can find online and access through social media that it's not all negative because when we get talking about it it can very easily come out as the negative and that we're against it but we're really not and we just like to highlight the extremes sometimes because if you're functioning within the you know the middle then you're fine and you have the balance but when you exceed that and you're on the extremes of doing too much one way or the other, that's when we draw attention to it. So if somebody you know, uses Facebook to say they mark themselves unsafe at a certain event and they get found and because they use maybe Facebook and they use their safety features and somebody GPS tracked them and they're a hero because they use social media for such good or somebody says to somebody else on social media, you should go kill yourself, you're not worth being on this planet, I hate you, you're disgusting, or whatever negative comments they can throw at them that does drive them towards social media pressure of suicide, then we see that other extreme. Mm -hmm. So it's nice to see somewhere in the middle where we're finding these good things that are positive instead of spending some time highlighting the negative. And the negative always gets more attention. Right. If you watch the local news, you'll probably see like 90% of it is just awful makes you never want to leave your house mm -hmm. and they have their five percent puff pieces and then five percent is you know sports <laughs> right. right exactly well, actually i gotta change that maybe 25 percent news on uh not news um weather yeah <laughs> <laughs> well and i think you know it goes back to the internet social media all these subjects are great tools you just don't want them to be the drivers in your life and going to the extreme of anything can quickly make something that can be useful or helpful become very unhealthy and unhelpful. Mm -hmm. So you guys ever talk about mindful posting on social media in your groups? Yeah, we've, we've talked about that and how, you know, it, basically 
it depends on the case and you know what that looks like but we've we've really tried to make that just like we're what we're doing right now it's mm-hmm. it's about how do we have more of a discussion based off this so people can learn from it i've absolutely worked with people who have used you know instagram to put you know like a suicidal note on and how that has the reactions that has caused and the consequences especially you know i, I think we see it a lot with schools and how they react to it and and how, you know, if maybe they that wasn't their intention and they were really just trying to find support or help, how they can do that in a healthier manner and what that looks like. Um, I think the dangerous piece is we're moving in society to, you know, especially with teens who are at that developmental stage where the social acceptance is key for them, that that's being defined through how you fit in the world of social media. And when you're combating with, you know, people who appear a certain way that isn't doesn't always match with what realistically they're um, they look like or what they're doing and how now extraordinary has become what you have to reach and not just average you know that's not good enough anymore and the dangers that that way of thinking can cause yeah it's definitely a very difficult comparison to make with this perfect self that we're always having to strive to be the perfect self to get to that next level of whether it's the social ladder or it's your academic success or financial success and just the grass is greener on the other side always. And there's so many other sides when you're looking at social media because the posts are always so perfect and doctored to be that way. Right, right. And I think it just comes down to how do we have more discussions about this and educate those who are using it just so they know what those sides look like. You know, I love that there is now a presence on the internet where they're posting Instagram versus reality and what the same picture on Instagram looks like with a realistic picture that was originally taken and how that's been doctored, you know, to look a certain way. Uh, Your filters can't fool me anymore. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) That's really good. So how do where is this that we're doing that? Oh, um, I'm going to probably sound like a huge Reddit (laughs) user, but I believe it was probably on one of those major platforms. Okay. You know, I Reddit is probably one of the only social media platforms I use, which is probably why I keep bringing it up. I don't have. Which is good because I don't use it. Yeah. And it's helpful to get that perspective, especially because since I don't use it, I don't talk about it. Yeah. So I have to get on there. Yeah. (laughs) And then you mentioned some other negative things about Reddit. Mm-hmm. And sound like you want to talk about it. <laughs> I can. Uh, um, go ahead. <laughs> well, just just because I think again it goes both ways. You know, I think that definitely. You know, just because I don't use Facebook or Instagram doesn't mean that I can't spend excessive amounts of time on other platforms such as Reddit. And there are things that are on there that can absolutely, I mean, I think they have people monitoring posts to try mm-hmm. to combat and delete any kind of negative posting that goes on. But obviously that can slip through the cracks. So there was one that kind of ties in a little bit to what we were talking about earlier, where it's a, um, the category is roast me and people will post their picture on there and they'll ask people basically to roast them, to criticize them, to say negative things about them. Mm. And there was a case probably about a month and a half ago where a 17 year old had posted on there and um, basically stated that he struggled with crippling depression and wanted reasons just to end it for good. And instead of the community that was used to basically criticizing and saying negative things, 
that particular thread, people bonded together and really supported this guy and said, you know, I, we're not going to do this. And these are the positive things. And these are the things to live for. And this is how you can get help. And so I think it goes to show that, you know, again, you can have, it's both sides. You can have mm-hmm. really, you can stumble upon dark places in the internet very easily but you can also it doesn't necessarily mean that that's always the case and there's a lot of support and he i think he within like a week had reposted basically thanking everyone for the support and that he was on track to combating his depression thanks to the information that people provided Mm -hmm. and so again it goes back to sometimes the internet gets like a bad rep but at the same time it's not always necessarily the case like we have positives in it as well yeah. And things that I think that we didn't have before the day and age of internet that we do now in awareness mm-hmm. with certain subjects. It was fascinating. People would go and say, you know, give me your worst <laughs> openly. Yeah, that's a whole different, <laughs> that's a whole different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose it would be. <laughs> okay, well, Sarah, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, I'm sure you. that everybody listening is very grateful for your wisdom that you brought and just another side and perspective of what you're seeing in your practice and online. Absolutely. So uh, we've been talking today with Sarah Pearl, and you can find her again at uh, Psychology Today. Just type in her name, Sarah Pearl, Psychology Today. It should come up. And uh, if you want to email her, you can reach her at S-P-E-A-R-L-M-F-T at gmail.com. That's S-P-E-A-R-L-M-F-T at gmail.com. Thank you. Thank you.